It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And Dr. Carol, on this edition of this show, we've got some really interesting topics. Well, we're going to talk about building a family because when you're in love, that might be your next step. Then talking about taking good care of your heart with one of our renowned cardiologists in Michigan. And then what can we do on Valentine's Day to make it just a little different? A great show coming up next. WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, 2022 is here, and some people are thinking about having a baby this year. You've got some great advice for these people. So let's, let's have a little conversation about this. So thanks, Anne, for letting me speak about this uh, exciting New Year's resolution that some people have. And <laughs> the first thing to share is, you know, don't panic. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of having a baby, the fertility issues affect about 15% of the population, one out of eight. That means seven out of eight couples that are thinking about having a baby will go through this journey and, uh, you know, plan a pregnancy and boom, they're pregnant. So the first thing is to have fun, get excited, enjoy the journey, enjoy, you know, the practicing having the baby. And, <laughs> uh, and just for the first few months, just, you know, if it let it happen and when it happens now a couple things to keep in mind to optimize the timing and also the chance of success is kind of knowing those definitions so if you're under 35 and it hasn't happened in a year then it's time to kind of get a little evaluation to see what's going on with your OBGYN maybe to start or one of someone like me if you're over 35 it's six months of trying before you need to seek help. If you're over 40, it's yesterday. So that's something to keep in mind when you and your partner are thinking about having a baby. Number two is, you know, have a little idea of what your menstrual cycles are like. So if your periods are in the normal range of 25, 35 days, uh, you're ovulating from ovulation to your periods, always 14 days. From your period to ovulation is the variable piece of that menstrual interval. So if you are somebody who has regular periods, that might be a little tidbit to kind of have some idea when you're releasing that egg. And then the guys, they're going to love me because it's sex every other day, days 10 through 20 around ovulation. So, you know, that sperm lasts in the cervical mucus up to three days. So the idea is you got this sperm sitting around waiting for that egg to be released. Now, however, if your periods are irregular, so say you skip months or say you only get three periods a year, don't wait that year uh, because there is definitely right away an issue and a concern where you're not releasing an egg every month and you should be seen by someone earlier. Uh, things that you can do to optimize success as well is for men and women, watch your weight. So we do know that a BMI of over 30 is like getting a 40-year-old pregnant. Why? The increased BMI, the increased weight can make the eggs older. Also, there's insulin resistance that uh, can also make the eggs older. So trying to get a BMI under 30 and having more of a Mediterranean uh, plant-based, you know, stay away from the S's, salt, sugar, starch. 
uh, or too much of them. Uh, that's going to help with your fertility. On the other end of the spectrum, being underweight. So a BMI of less than 19, uh, those young ladies can have a problem. And the thought process is they're not having enough healthy fats to make the reproductive hormones. So if you're underweight, that could be an issue. For men, if they're overweight, they're um, having issues with uh, changes in their hormones, which could affect sperm production. And if they have a very big panis or belly, um, you know, that could cause increased heat in the testicular area, which then could potentially affect, uh, you know, their sperm production. So weight's important. The other thing is smoking. So smoking will make the eggs older, uh, even as little as a half a pack a day, uh, and put you in the menopause, give you wrinkles, none of which you want. For men, one cigarette equates to about a 1% decrease in fertility potential. Increase in alcohol or drug use may also impact sperm parameters and potentially eggs and embryos. Um, alcohol, you know, in moderation. So everyone asks me, can I drink when I'm trying to have a baby? Uh, some of the literature says a few drinks, maybe up to four uh, a week for women, a little more for men, maybe an, uh, okay to, to do while you are trying to get pregnant. And then look at your medical history. If you have history of thyroid disease, PCOS, um, you know, you're going into the early menopause, you know, talk to your doctor about your medical history, surgical history, if you've had any pelvic uh, surgeries, uh, any ruptured cysts or previous tubal pregnancies, or if you've had any pelvic infections, all of these can affect um, the, the ability to get pregnant. So know your history um, and then be aware of the timeline that I highlighted and then otherwise have fun. <laughs> now, you know, is it my imagination or it seems like more and more people are having some difficulty getting pregnant? You know, your statistics earlier kind of point to that, but what's going on with that in your opinion? Well, I think there are a few things. Number one is we are getting older having our first baby. Mm. So back in the day, you were 19, 20, 21. Now you're in your late 20s, early 30s. And why is that? Well, many of us women are going to you know college and graduate degrees and are professionals and we're climbing up in the ranks in many different fields. The other thing is, you know, we're we're selective, right? So we just don't want Mr. Sperm Donor at 21. We want a partner that can be a partner to us. And so we delay having children until we find that person. So that's a piece of it. The other piece I'm really proud to say is people are talking about it. <laughs> which is really awesome. And that's one of the reasons I want to sponsor this show is because if you had diabetes or high blood pressure, you'd be going to a doctor to get checked and get on your meds. Right. Well, fertility is the same thing. It's a medical diagnosis. And so people are talking. We're talking every month. Uh, physicians are talking to their patients. Patients are talking to their friends. They're on chat rooms. They're, they're on you know Twitter and they're on Instagram. They're looking up um, support groups. So what's really awesome about this is that people are not afraid to talk to people about problems getting pregnant. We still have a long way to go, though. Um, the most recent literature said less than 10% of people experiencing fertility seek help. So, you know, we need to still press on with getting this information out to people. But the good news is that it, it's, it's, it's less of what they 
called a stigma years ago. This is a medical condition that we can treat in. And Carol, you are celebrating your 20th anniversary, the Michigan can, Center this year. Can I can't you, believe this. Oh my God. Can you believe it? I like no. blink and 20 years. And I have to tell you the story, Anne. I don't know if you care to hear it, but um, I was at Hutzel years ago and five employees, I don't think I've ever told you this, five employees walked in my office on a Thursday night and they're like, they closed the door. I'm like, what did I do? And they're <laughs> like, Dr. Kwalchik, we love how you take care of patients. If you quit, we'll follow you and wow. let's start something different. And, um, you know, and and I thought about it. And and while I loved Hutzel, you know, sometimes you get a, you're a little um, restricted in a, in a big system. So I talked to my husband. I'd had my fourth baby. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. I'm a mom of four kids. I love being a mom of four kids. If it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. And so we started out in my nurse's dining room, living room. She put an extra phone line and we're like, oh gosh, I hope this works. 12 and Shaner was the first office, quickly outgrew it in five years. Um, my embryologist, I wasn't planning on doing IVF for five years. I met this amazing man, Michael Kirk, who, who uh, you know, said, we can do this. And in, you know, like a closet, uh, our IVF started and we did you know, six months later, our first IVF. And then fast forward, we're on 13 and Mound, and then came the Lake Orion office, and then the Bloomfield, and then the Plymouth, and just very, very proud of the team I have, and I can't believe it's 20 years. It's it's crazy. It's extraordinary. And another new office coming soon. Yes, excited to report that uh, we are moving our Bloomfield office because we outgrew it again, and <laughs> we will have a new office on Woodward, just north of Square Lake Road. And uh, hopefully it's getting, you know, built out and by March we should be in there. I uh, wanted to be in December to have the new year, but uh, we wanted to do it right and, and working with the city to make it pretty special. Well, congratulations on Thank 20 you. years and I hope there's a hundred more, Carol. I mean, you are <laughs> doing, you're doing great work though. You're making people feel comfortable about having a baby and if they're having a problem, they know they can just come and talk to you. It would be like coming and talking to your mom. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I love being everyone's fertility mom. I always say that. I'm their IVF mom and their fertility mom, and I, I love that role. So, Well, we will continue this conversation in just a few minutes. Coming up next, we are going to take care of our heart health because, after all, it's February, and February is Heart Health Month. We'll be back right after these messages. listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. And Dr. Carol, we continue the conversation now talking about heart health. And our guest is somebody who knows a lot about heart health, Dr. Joan Crawford. She is a cardiologist with Ascension Macomb. And Dr. Crawford, just tell our listeners about your experience and your expertise. It's pretty amazing. Hi, good morning. And thank you for having me. Um, I am a general cardiologist. I do focus on a lot of women's health. I also focus on uh, people that have congenital heart disease that have made it to maturity. Um, I run the echo and stress and nuclear department at Ascension Macomb and Oakland hospitals. And uh, I work with medical students, interns, residents, cardiology fellows. So I do a little bit of everything. Carol, pretty impressive, right? Typical female. I love it. 
<laughs> and, and your typical day. I love that. <laughs> so Dr. Crawford, thank you so much for being here. And I've always enjoyed your lectures when I've had my conferences in the past. And we need to talk because there's another one hopefully coming up next year. Uh, but I have some general questions for you with regard to just heart disease in general and it, men versus women. So my first question is, what are some risk factors for heart disease in us? First of all, 80% of heart disease is preventable. And I think one of the biggest things lately that we try to get across is everybody needs to get moving. We've become a very, uh, you know, society that, my gosh, we're working from home now. And so many people like jokingly brag that they've done 500 whole steps today compared to when they used to go to work. They did 10,000 between, you know, getting on a subway or drive, walking out to the car or, you know, having to walk in from the parking lot. And the problem is, is nobody's moving anymore. So I think one of the first things we need to do is get moving. Um, the American Heart Association really does recommend to do 30 minutes of exercise every day not just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but actually daily, or, you know, something simple, even like walking 10,000 steps. They've kind of proven that if you have a real seasoned athlete, like a, you know, a, a football player or somebody who's pro athlete, you, you, they're not really heart disease wise going to do better than you just doing a good 30 minute quick, you know, walk with your dog or with your family or going to the gym or something like that. So it doesn't have to be intense exercise. It can be moderate exercise. I think we want to not be smokers. You know, anybody who's still hanging on to smoking needs to get rid of that habit. Um, I think a phrase that people do know, the body, body mass index, the BMI, I think most people nowadays have heard about BMI should be between 18 and 25. And for any of the listeners who aren't familiar with that, if you were to go on a computer and just say BMI for women or BMI for men, you could look up your height and weight and find out if you fall within 18 to 25 or not. I think that um, fast food and trans fats have really changed us from our grandparents and parents. Um, I think that there's lots of healthy foods out there, but there's also lots of communities that kind of live in a food desert, so to speak, where the real healthy fruits, vegetables, that type of thing are not available. I think that, you know, it seems like people are working all the time, maybe even more so with COVID because now, especially for the people who can work from home, you know, you roll out of bed, you're in your own house, you're on the computer, you're doing work. Maybe you try to throw in some laundry, but then you go back to working and then since you're not going anywhere, it's like you keep working and people are working and working and working. So I think learning how to manage your stress, all these things are truly things that we need to work at. And remember, 80% of heart disease is preventable. The foods we eat, um, you know, for sure, I'll segue into obviously more greens, obviously five servings of fruits and vegetables or, you know, on that chart that we all learn as kids that we're supposed to do a little bit of a better job with. Uh, grains, berries, especially strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, anything that's an antioxidant, uh, citrus, avocados, uh, walnuts and almonds. But I would like to point out that nuts are also pretty high fat foods. So when we talk about eating walnuts and almonds, you know, I always say, if you have a little serving cup, you know, probably a third of the cup should be full of nuts. So we're talking five or eight nuts. That's about it. Um, and then, you know, certainly more fish or more chicken, 
couple of days a week, maybe vegetarian, where you do beans or legumes. And it seems like people always ask me the famous question about what about chocolate? What about dark chocolate? And I like to specifically say about that, you'd have to eat a lot of dark chocolate to really have these great beneficial effects, which I can't, I can't, uh, I, I can't impress upon people enough, uh, you know, that a lot of dark chocolate might help lower your blood pressure for a few minutes, but that study was small and it was quite a bit of chocolate on a daily basis. But if you're going to have a choice between cheesecake, cake, potato chips, you know, probably one or two little very intense dark chocolate, 50 calorie pieces would be a better choice than a lot of other things that you could reach for. So in that sense, dark chocolate, I suppose you could say is better for you than some other choices. And the other thing, uh, I think red wine always comes up. So I'll just say out there, you know, women in particular probably shouldn't drink as much as men. It leads to a little bit more cancers and some other things that they found um, not to mention a lot of women are just smaller people and we can't, you know, drink as much as uh, some people. So I think you really try to limit to one glass of red wine a couple times a week. And really, that's all you should drink of red wine. But some of the supplements, because people also ask, you know, with supplements, fish oil, magnesium, there is a grapeseed extract that has uh, resveratrol in it. And uh, that probably would equal almost a bottle of wine. So some people talk about resveratrol as a supplement to the red wine drinking that we really shouldn't do so, so much of. CoQ10, uh, folate, inositol, all these are supplements. A fun fact for vitamin D that I found recently, besides the fact that we should all have a normal vitamin D level, is that they recently just published a study with the Israeli group regarding COVID. And they actually found out that if you look at two people in the ICU that are both equally sick, and one of them had a very low vitamin D level before COVID, and the other one had a normal one, it actually is turning out to be a predictor to, uh, to, to do better if you do not have a vitamin D deficiency. So that's something you can discuss with your primary doctor. Um, all of these things that I mentioned for heart disease um, prevention are good things, but vitamin D is kind of a more general tip. But it's a very interesting one, I think, especially with COVID, that we should all try to stay healthy all the way around. I think the less inflammation in your body, the less um, that COVID will have to go after. So these are important facts to know. That is a long list, but a very, very encompassing one. So, you know, I, I'm listening to to you, and I'm I'm glad I can have my glass of red wine now and then. I'm glad I can have my dark chocolate. Uh, vitamin D, I think, helps every organ system. And even for us, there is some suggestion it improves implantation. So um, I really think that the first step with heart disease is is definitely prevention. So, uh, Anne, do you have anything uh, to add before we end this first segment? No, I think we should end this first segment. And in the next segment, we can continue this interesting conversation. I do want to point out, Dr. Joan Crawford, that that list was really amazing. And it was comprehensive, but it was also easy to follow, you know. So I think that that's important for people to pay attention to. So you are listening 
to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We will be back in just a few minutes, and Dr. Joan Crawford will have more interesting information about our heart health. Dr. Carroll, this is such an important conversation about heart health for women that we've decided to take two segments on WJR's Healthy Women Show. Our guest is Dr. Joan Crawford. She's a cardiologist with Ascension Macomb, and she's obviously an expert in this area. And Dr. Crawford, let's continue the conversation now, talking a little bit more about risk factors for women in particular, because cardiovascular health is different for women than it is for men, correct? It is. There's actually some amazing statistics I'd like to share with you and your listeners. Um, The number one killer of women is still heart disease. And almost one in three deaths are cardiovascular deaths. Um, The Go Red for Women campaign that the American Heart Association does started back in 04 and um, really is a grassroots effort to try to get out, thanks to shows like yours, to get out to folks about the fact that um, women need to be concerned about their heart health because we still are only 44% of women that know that, that heart disease is killing them more than breast cancer, or even all cancers combined. Mm. And that's a pretty staggering statistic. However, we're up because in the 90s, um, if you ask this same question to women, like what did they think their their odds of getting uh, a heart attack were, maybe 10 or 15% used to think that they could get a heart attack because it was a man's disease. So people mm. thought back in the day. They actually made a rule that in order for you know, anybody in the United States to fund a research project that they had to include women. This is something that researchers actually had to be told back in the 80s and 90s. And there actually had to be a bill put into place that if you were getting funding to do research, that you had to include women. And even now, women on average are only 38 to 40 percent of the group. And it's still, you know, mostly in men, interestingly. Um, I want to say that, again, the 44% is way up thanks to media shows like yours and people allowing us to talk about this problem. The other sort of newer statistic is I don't think even young women realize that this affects them too, because the number one killer of new moms is actually heart disease. Wow. Specifically, uh, you know, we many women have heard of other women having preeclampsia or maybe having some high blood pressure or having a stroke or having a weak heart muscle after um, they're pregnant. And so this is a very important group of women that we've really had to get some education specifically out for them. Black women in particular still have the highest maternal death rate across any, across gender and across all races they, they have. And, you know, in Detroit, we have a lot of African-American women and black women in general need to really understand that they need to pay close attention, even when they're younger, to what is their blood pressure and whether or not they might have gestational diabetes or preeclampsia, which all women are tested as long as they can get in and be seen by a physician. And I think it's important to note that the standard risk factors of things like smoking and lose weight and all that 
Now also include if you had preeclampsia during your pregnancies, or if you were diagnosed with gestational diabetes, or if you actually developed hypertension or worse yet, a stroke or a weak heart muscle while you were pregnant, that is something that you will carry forward as a risk factor for the rest of your life. Um, so this is really important, I think, to get the word out on that. On the other hand, menopause, menopause doesn't cause heart disease, but because most people do go into menopause around the age of 50, that's about the same time when if your family has, for example, hypertension in the family, about age 50, though it could be younger or older, that's about when these types of things kick in. So hypertension, coronary artery disease, hyperlipidemia, all these kind of things start kicking in around menopause. So I suppose menopause, especially for someone like you, Carol, that's a OBGYN, you know, many times you are people's primary care physician also. Many women really heavily depend on their gynecologist to help practice prevention and talk about diet and exercise and what their cholesterol should be. So 57% of stroke deaths are women. So women actually die even more often than men with strokes. They also, uh, when it comes to heart disease in general, a commonly asked question is how are symptoms different? And I think one of the things that women really need to focus on, if a man grabs his chest and says his jaw hurts or he just looks pale, it takes approximately one minute for that wife or anybody to call an ambulance for that man. When a woman has symptoms, her symptoms can be similar, you know, chest pain, but only about 40% of women actually get chest pain. They can get shortness of breath. They can get the left shoulder, just like a man, but it could be the right shoulder, or it could be back where the bra strap is, you know, where you hook your bra, it can be between your shoulder blades back there. Some women just say, I don't have the stamina. I can't do what I used to do. Or they actually are saying they have heartburn. And I think Again, if you say it about a man, if a man says that he has heartburn, somebody will pretty quickly say, are you sure it's not your heart? But when a woman says she has heartburn, it's like that follow-up question doesn't seem to be there. And so women are often underrepresented uh, for, for so many reasons. And it all starts with the testing not being done, the people not going in to get checked. So that's why we need to talk about this because even sometimes the doctors don't know the number one killer of women is heart disease. So it's almost like women have to be their own advocate. They have to go in and talk about this at length and kind of insist that they get a stress test. Harvard in Boston actually did a study um, of women activating 911. So a woman's calling 911 to say they're having chest pain and half of those women still didn't even get an EKG when EMS came out to their house. Wow. Why? Chest pain. Why would that <laughs> so, be? Um, the, the women are way less likely to get bystander CPR. And they think a lot of it is someone's afraid that, you know, maybe she's impaired or drinking or, you know, then they lean over to help and, you know, it's on their chest. And I think people are afraid that, you know, they don't want to touch a female, whereas they'll touch a male. Uh, women are less likely to get an EKG, a heart cath, a bypass, um, be even referred for, you know, cardiac rehab after they've had all these events. So women um, really just need to be able to be very informed and speak up for themselves 
and be able to talk to their doctors about this because um, they, they in this case, are driving their own health care for sure. Um, and that's important because, you know, you said that in, in 911 will get called for a man in a minute. And for a woman, I think you were, we had our, our conference and I think what it took a day, a half a day for it was, for, it was 12 hours, 12 yeah. hours statistically, because, you know, the woman is like, well, wait, I, I, I should I, I should go to the doctor. I should go to the hospital, but I've got to get the kids lunches ready or mm-hmm. I've got to go pick this up or I'm late for a meeting or because her symptoms may not be quite as obvious. You know, she's one of our echo techs was driving to work and has been to lots of these go red for women, you know, (laughs) luncheons and awareness talks and whatnot. And she's literally driving in going, is it my gallbladder? Is it my stomach? Did I eat something bad last night? And she's having, you know, like lower, lower chest, upper abdomen pain the entire drive in. And she finally pulled over and called 911 halfway to work because she said, I'm going to be a statistic. I just know it. I'm like, I'm asking myself every question that at all of these conferences that I go to, that they say women take such a long time to finally decide that it's a cardiac event. And in fact, that woman was in the cath lab within 20 minutes of, you know, actually getting to the hospital after she stopped her car, pulled over in a parking lot and got picked up halfway into work. And by the way, she worked at a hospital, but it was just still going to be another long drive before she got there. Um, That's amazing. And, and so what should we do as women? Yes, we need to talk about it. And this is nice for the men in the audience to, to hear this because when their female partner has these symptoms, um, this is something that they should be aware of and clued into. Uh, But when we go to our primary care doc, are we insisting on getting an EKG? Like what is, is there, are there any routine tests? Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned menopause. So should every menopausal woman during her primary care visit, should every menopausal woman get an EKG? Should it be only if they're experiencing symptoms? Should it only if they've been having risk factors uh, that present in their history? So what can we do as women to be our own advocates with our primary care? Well, a few things, I think, you know, it does go back to taking a good history. And for us, if you know your mother and your grandmother all died of heart disease at 50, you know, you probably ought to, before age 50, go in and get your first CKG and your first workup. There's some homemades that are important. Like we can, we can all purchase for $65 a home blood pressure cuff. Many people have hypertension, which is the silent killer. And they don't even know they have it. So, you know, a, a scale, find out how much you weigh, um, use a Fitbit or, you know, find out how many steps. But as far as when you go to the doctor, I think if you are having symptoms, you should be tested just like a man should be tested. If you are short of breath, if you say I mowed the grass, but I only got halfway through the front yard this season. And last year I did the front yard and the backyard before I got tired. And I had to walk inside. My face was red and I was short of breath, those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, you should get an EKG. You should be sent for an echo or a stress test and get your, you know, know your numbers. Like everybody should know what their cholesterol is, know what their waist size is, know what their lipid levels are, um, and and certainly head in to get some preventative health care maintenance, especially if you have symptoms, for sure. Dr. Crawford, has anybody ever looked at why women are so reluctant to go and get the care? You know, you were describing your tech, and I I think I would be in that boat. I would do everything I possibly could 
before I would call 911. I'd have a million reasons as to why I wasn't having a problem. Um, well, I think women are multitaskers. And I think that, again, we go back to this awareness. Only 44% of women are aware, you know, that heart disease is the number one killer of women. So I think if you put that in perspective, um, you know, just everybody has to let the professionals like go in and don't worry about feeling foolish. Just go in and, and, and let the ER do an EKG on you if you're not feeling well or go into your primary care physician if it's just a new, more subtle symptom and make sure you get the appropriate testing. Stop worrying about being embarrassed. Don't worry about the fact that, you know, you might quote unquote, look foolish. Better to look foolish and in other words, you know, be sent home because everything was normal than, you know, make a mistake that could cost you your life, I think mm -hmm. is, is my suggestion. It's just go great. get checked. Yep, great advice. Dr. Joan Crawford, a cardiologist with Ascension Macomb, an excellent cardiologist. Thank you so much for all of your time today and all of these great tips and the wonderful advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And we will be back for a little chat about Valentine's Day right after these messages. Dr. Carroll, what a great conversation with Dr. Joan Crawford. After that conversation, though, we better talk about something fun. Because, <laughs> mm. Well, it still has to do with your heart, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I did, Anne. I looked up Michigan Valentine's Day 2022, and it was, I think the website is michiganbeach.mymichiganbeach.com. Oh. And I thought, you know what? You know, there's chocolate, there's flowers, but what are some things we can do? And I found some cool things. So um, first of all, in St. Clair Shores, there is an event called Love is Brewing at Dragon's Landing. It's a one-of-a-kind romantic dinner with a Michigan craft beer lover. So it is uh, hosting their first annual Love is Brewing beer dinner on Valentine's Day. So it's unique off-menu dishes with award-winning ales, beers, and ciders. So I thought that might be kind of cool. In Highland fun. Park... There's the Valentine's Day murder mystery dinner. So <laughs> in Highland Park, it's actually, they're hosting it, uh, the Valentine's Day dinner on February 11th, where you'll enjoy signature cocktails, dinner, and, and friends as you hop into character for an exciting whodunit. So I thought that would be cool. It's yeah, a those are fun. Story. Yeah, 105-year-old house, and, and you gather evidence to find the culprit. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, wineries. So there's a ton of wineries, uh, St. Joseph, Sagatox, uh, Traverse City, all making luxurious Valentine dinners and romantic uh, getaways if you're into that. Um, Michigan ice sculpting shows are all over the state uh, for the month of February, and you can find them all around Valentine weekends in Plymouth. Uh, there's the Plymouthite Festival, Sault Ste. Marie downtown, Winter Ice Festival, and Valent Ice at the World of Winter Festival in Grand Rapids. So that's pretty cool. And then for families, um, there is something here I want to say. Let me just look up uh, real quick. In Troy, uh, the Cupid's Family Shuffle. 
uh, in Troy, and it is a Metro Detroit family favorite. It's a Valentine's themed dance for children's four and up with the chaperone, where you have a live DJ, a photo booth, dinner, drinks, and dessert. And then in Rochester, there's an American Girl Galentine Tea Party at Tanya's Victorian Rose Tea Room. And of course, you can always do ice skating in campus marshes on Valentine's Day mm. with the whole family and enjoy each other and and do a little skating as well as, um, you know, uh, then go out to a great dinner. So, you know, these are activities. There's, you know, Valentine movie night if you want to stay home. So these are just some fun things. Cuddle up on a winter sleigh ride. Just a lot of fun, fun things that we can do and get out there and move and do our 10,000 steps and get it going. So here's a question for you. Yeah. What's your perfect Valentine's Day? Oh, my gosh. Mine is being with my family and cooking an amazing dinner and and just cuddling up with with them. We don't need to go out to eat just, you know, just to have the time since everyone's so busy. How about you? Exactly the same. And I would add in one glass of red wine. <laughs> and An accident. Uh, uh, could we just have a little dark chocolate? That a day? little bit. <laughs> yeah. All Dr. Right. Crawford kind of scared us away from the dark chocolate. But maybe on Valentine's Day, we could cheat a little bit. And they go perfectly well together. And Dr. Carroll, it was great to see you. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Same here. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas, and we hope you have a great day. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.